Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at in today's show. Show 96. Life logging, recording your life 24 hours a day. Switching your home to LED lighting. A futurologist tells us what's around the corner. Get shouted at by a virtual chef. Plus BT Sport, XBMC and Powerline. First off, here's Pete with the latest TV and tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. Starting off with some radio news, the UK's first commercial radio station, London's LBC, goes national on the 11th of February. The commercial news and talk radio station will go live on the Digital One National DAB Multiplex and will be changing its tagline from London's biggest conversation to leading Britain's conversation. See what they did there? LBCing you on the 11th of February. Next, some games news. Nintendo has confirmed that it won't be porting its titles over to smartphones. With the poor sales of the Wii U console and the lack of new titles, many assumed a move to smartphones was on the cards, but apparently not. It will, though, be moving into the health sector and is looking to create a non-wearable way of monitoring your health, with an announcement expected later in the year. Next, ITV is set to launch its first new TV channel in over seven years. ITV Encore will be a Sky subscription channel, offering the best in ITV drama. Watch for Encore later this year. Freesat users note that there has been an update to software for Humax boxes to support the launch of the new Freeview iOS app. More than just a TV guide, the new Freesat app recommends stuff for you to watch and lets you use free time and rollback. Watch out too for the new Freesat BBC News and BBC Sport apps. Next, following a six-month trial, Sky has launched AdSmart. The new service targets TV ads at you based on your location and your profile. A stream of TV ads relevant to you are downloaded to your Sky Plus box automatically and inserted into live TV breaks. One of the early adopters of this new technology will be Polos, so if you see an ad for their tubes of mints, you've been AdSmarted. Staying with ads, if you're listening to us on a smartphone right now, be aware that according to a recent survey, one in three of your applications could be sending out your location. Many apps that include ads to make the author some money also include a tracking code that uses metrics to help with targeting your adverts. Other apps can make use of your contacts list, calendar and the location data stored in photos that you take. In response to a recent whistleblower report about GCHQ and the NSA getting data from smartphone apps, the Angry Birds website was hacked and replaced with a spying birds graphic for a brief time last month. Next, online content rental service Blinkbox, now owned by Tesco, is running Try TV on Us for the month of February. Without subscription, you can watch for free the first episode of a range of TV shows, including Breaking Bad, Sherlock, Lost Girl, and my personal favourite, Orphan Black. 28 shows are available, and you can watch as many as you like. Link on our show notes. Next, NASA needs you. 
Millions of deep space images have been captured over the years, and NASA is looking for your help in detecting dusky debris disks, where planets may be forming. Computer algorithms aren't up to the job, so NASA has launched DiskDetective.org to use crowdsourcing to sift through those images. And finally, welcome Forgotify. The streaming music service Spotify has 20 million songs in its catalogue, but 20% of those songs have never ever been played. To help revive those neglected songs, Forgotify will randomly select unplayed songs for you, together with a next button. It will then remove those songs from the never played list. Surely there must be a reason why those 4 million songs remain unplayed though. I'm off to upload the Frequency Cast theme. You never know. Thanks, Pete. For more TV and tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequency Cast. Now loading. Focus. Focus time. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Pete. You're looking very well. Oh, thank you very much. So are you. Oh, thank you very much. You say the nicest things. Right, today, first off, we're going to talk about life logging. Now, what does that mean to you? To be honest, life logging for me is happening every day, particularly with social media. It's basically logging your life on the internet. That is true, yes. We do tweet and Facebook and, and all that kind of stuff as we go along. But this is the concept of serious life logging, where you put your entire life, 24 hours a day, on the net for all to see. How do you fancy doing that for a while? You know full well I'm not going to fancy doing that at all. I kind of thought you'd be a bit anti this, but there is a whole science building up around this. And there are communities of life loggers or gloggers and also life caching, which isn't actually transmitting what you do, but it's storing a record of what you do. So there's constantly this archive of what you've been up to. I don't see why you would actively help this entire Big Brother scenario and make it so easy to access everything about yourself. But come on, you're being tracked anyway. Every time you use a cash machine, an Oyster card, you walk past something with a CCTV camera, your mobile phone's constantly sending where you are anyway, all your emails are monitored. Well, firstly, why would you aid it? You're actually making it far worse for yourself by kind of putting that out there. Look at things like your, you know, your loyalty cards. You've got what, a Tesco card, a Nectar card. So they know what brand of loo roll you use, what supermarket you've been in, all that kind of stuff. You're being tracked all the time, so why not? I think it's very dangerous. You only have to look at how many people have been sacked because they've put the wrong thing on there. How many employers, how many people generally are going to do a full search on you. The smallest mistake, the smallest moment of being young can literally ruin the rest of your life. Now, you see, that I do believe in, and I have actually seen some evidence of that. And certainly uh, kids today that are, are typing you know, comments about their employers or what they've been up to, that's going to be on the net forever. But the idea of you know where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, I don't see any problem with that being tracked. I think that's a fair thing. Imagine if we were together and you'd bunked off work and I'd put something with you linked to it. How stuffed would you be? Yeah, all right, all right, all right, fair point. But I don't know. You see, I'm trying something out. I'm actually trying a little bit of this at the moment using a new app that we'll talk about in a minute. But before we go on to that, we're going to look at an app that we looked at when we went to Gadget Show Live. Do you remember the uh, the little brooch thing that you were wearing? Yes, I do. Took pictures constantly, I believe. That was a live tracking device that was constantly taking pics of what you're up to. Shall we have a little listen? Why not? You've got a lovely necklace on there. It's... Uh bright orange what are you wearing oh i'm basically wearing my entire life 
You are indeed. We're talking to Nicholas from a company called Narrative. Can you explain this rather colourful little necklace that Kelly's wearing here? Sure. Um, she's wearing the Narrative Clip, which is, an, uh, is a fully automatic, effortless, wearable camera, which is also the smallest wearable camera in the world. Um, and uh, it takes a photo every 30 seconds, along with uh, capturing GPS and other sensor data. Okay, so Kelly can wear this, walk around and live her life, and at the end of the day there's a record of what she's been doing and where she's been. Is that the size of it? That's roughly it. Uh, we, we thought that uh, why not take uh, the documentation part of life and not have it get, get in the way of uh, living life. Okay, so the photos it holds, are they high res or is it sort of VGA kind of stuff? It's a normal res, I'd say. It's a 5 megapixel, which is about the same as an iPhone 4 takes. And it stores where it was uh, recorded as well with GPS? Yes, so it's photos plus GPS. It stores on the device itself until you offload them on your computer and send them to the cloud where we can do lots of processing and uh, sorting. Okay, I actually love this idea, walking around recording where you are and what you're seeing all the time. It, what's the main use case? Who would you say would use this kind of product? So many people think of this as uh, capturing special occasions and they want to wear it for weddings or birthdays or travels. Uh, what we also notice is that the more people use it and the, when they in realize that they capture more than they thought they would, they want to use it more and more. Excellent, and where would someone find out more about these? So we're at getnarrative.com and uh, well, if you search for narrative clip, you can find uh, all sorts of links of people who have been writing about us. Okay, and what sort of price point are we looking at for this? This will be £219, including one year of service. Excellent, thank you very much. Looks very nice, it suits you. Glad you like it, thank you. So how would you feel about walking around with a camera strapped to you 24 hours a day? Again, you know what my answer's going to be. I have absolutely no desire to do that at all. Okay, well of course when we start moving into this wearable tech, particularly I'm thinking of these Google glasses, those things you will wear and it will record everything that you see. So I'm guessing you're not overly keen on that idea, even if it's not recording you, but it's recording what you do and where you are. I think there's a really nice purpose for it when you're traveling, say, and you want to capture things of the moment. Past that point, I mean, it's not necessary. You've seen it. This app is called Saga. And uh, before you ask, it isn't an over 50s holiday club kind of thing. It is a uh, free life logging application. And I'm rather impressed with it. Let me just fire this up. So it is now correctly identified. I've stopped moving. So you can see, uh, see the address of our studios, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what this does is it uses the GPS in the phone to record where you are. It also knows that I've been stationary for a little while. Now, I can tag that with a location like work or studio or home or whatever. And every time I'm back here, it will know where I am and what I'm doing. Now, if you look back a little bit, let me just look back at my, my day. See if you can tell me what I've been up to today. I could probably tell you that without an app. Go on then, where have I been today? You've been to Costa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. Look, uh, let me just scroll back a bit. So it's got where we are now. It's also showing how many calories I've eaten today because I'm doing uh, my calorie tracking at the moment. It showed that I was at home one hour and 29 minutes ago. It shows that I took that photo and put it on Facebook earlier. Fantastic. Yep, that's the cat sitting on me. I couldn't get off my, uh, my chair because I had a cat on me. Okay. Now it's lifted that from Facebook and you can see if I scroll down a little bit more, I was at... 
Costa. Yeah, I did stop off for a Costa coffee. Before that, I stopped off at an electrical shop. And what's my uh, status there? Oh, you were looking for LED light bulbs. Indeed, for the uh, show today, no less. We'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. But this is basically tracked everything I've done, how far I've walked, what my weight is, what my calorie intake has been, how many steps I've done, all of my tweets, all of my Facebook messages, all of my locations. And basically what it does is it ties your Facebook account to your Twitter account, to your Foursquare account, to Instagram, to Runkeeper, Body Media, Withings, the wireless scales, my little Fitbit that I carry around. It collates all of that information about where you are, what you've been up to, who you've interacted with, where you've been, all in one app. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. What are you going to do now with that information? Keep it forever. But why? For what use? I know where I've been. You know where you've been anyway. Your mind cannot be that bad that you would need to backtrack to that extent to to see what you've posted on Facebook, to see where you happen to have been or how many calories you ate six months ago. Ah, now it does tell you that. Look, what you can do here, it does, it does look, look, look. look. (laughs) This is ridiculous. This is beyond ridiculous. Look at this. You see, that's the time spent at home versus the time spent at work and a graph. Distance travelled each week, distance walked, distance driven, number of unique places visited each day. It calculates all of this kind of stuff in real time. Well then, how depressing is that going to be when you look at work-life balance and actually how much you get out? Look at it. Graphs and everything. It's awesome. It's completely pointless. Now, the really clever bit, though, is look, that exports it to a calendar in an iCal file so I can actually merge that in real time into my diary. What, so you've imported Costa Coffee half an hour? It's got everything. Diaries are for forward planning. They're not for just randomly adding in what you did that day. You can't even come up with a valuable use for this information. Well, I'm really not convincing you about this, am I? No, and you knew that you wouldn't. I did know that. I must say, though, In theory, if this starts doing all that it's promising to do, I can potentially see some uses for this. One of the things it's meant to do is learn your habits. So learn where you are and where you're going. So it will know, for instance, that, uh, you know, the the days that you work and the time that you leave. And once it starts learning patterns about you, it can start predicting. So checking the travel news for you or checking the weather before you leave. So it can start predicting what could be a problem. Also reminding you of things that are in your diary and alerting you that you should have left by now to be at a particular appointment at a particular location. I can see some potential. I know it sounds a bit daft, but there is some mileage in something being with you all the time that knows what you're going to do next and can help you make sure you do it. Well, I guess you are considerably older and may potentially need a nudge every now and then to remember the general day-to-day activities. I've been waiting to get that in for a while. (laughs) I've listened to that for a long time and thought, I'm getting that in. (laughs) You thought you'd come up with a really good argument and I've stumped you again. I'll get my coat. (laughs) Right, dear listener, please, somebody out there must think this is a good idea. I did at the time. I'm now beginning to change my mind. So uh, please, someone tell me this is a good idea. And somebody please tell him it's not, so he does not continue tracking how many Costa coffees he's had. Well, this does remind me of a presentation I went to. It must have been about five years ago at the BT Tower. It was a social event that BT were putting on, and they brought along a futurologist. Have you ever met a futurologist? I haven't, but I'd love to. 
and he was talking about a, uh, a rather clever little gadget. Fortunately, I actually bumped into him about six months ago. And of course, I have my trusty tape recorder with me. So would you like to hear what the futurologist thinks about this life tracking and also what his prediction is for the uh, biggest trends in tech? Yes, please. So I caught up with Jonathan Michener a little bit earlier. My first question was just what is a futurologist? It's a great job. It's a great title, but it's uh, actually a fantastically uh, uh, interesting and uh, enjoyable job. So what I do is I go around understanding what technology is coming ahead, uh, sometimes years, sometimes decades ahead. I go around to talk to experts around the world about what's coming and then distill that into a story that helps some senior people in, in organisations understand the strategy for what, how that sort of technology change is going to affect their organisations in the future. Now, I first met you, it must have been five or six years ago, and you were talking about wearable technology and some of your experiences. Now, this year, uh, we're fairly sure, is going to be the year of the smart watch, and we're seeing Apple and Google uh, rushing out these uh, watches that can get your text messages and link up to your mobile phones. Where do you think this uh, wearable technology could uh, take us? The wearable stuff is, is quite interesting because I think what one's got to think about is the reason why somebody will want to buy that. It's, everybody wants a phone, so the smartphone isn't a, isn't a difficult thing to sell. Uh, smart wearables is something else. So the Google Glasses, for example, not many people want to wear glasses if they don't already have to wear glasses. So it's got to be really fantastic as an experience in order for somebody to for that to take off mass market sure it'll be it'll be great for for the niche market but in terms of mass market like smartphones i think wearables generally have to be really good at what they do or offer something additional to what we can already do in terms of the the, the smart watch i think that we will see products like that from the sort of players that you mentioned i think it'll be an additional thing to the smartphone first of all and the sort of thing we were talking about when I met you at the at the tower, uh, I think lends itself to the whole data explosion that's coming as well. So we've got data all around us at the moment. It's how do we make use of that stuff and, and, and how do we put what's important in front of us? When I saw you talking, you gave uh, a very good example of uh, making use of presumably near-field technology. Uh, would you mind just giving us a, a quick summary of what that was all about? Yeah, that was the smart badge. So I went to a conference in Boston and uh, they were trying out a, a very early prototype of, of, of that sort of device. But uh, the normal badge you get when you go to a conference is normally a piece of plastic that you pin onto your, your, your lapel pocket. This they gave me was an active badge. It was a bit clunky and bulky, but it was only a prototype. And yeah, what it did is it, it used location-based uh, sensing to work out who you'd been with, who you'd been talking to, uh, socialising with over the course of the conference. And then by the time you got home from it, uh, you could be sent an automatic, automatic generated list of people that you'd met with their contact details. And it was pretty good. I mean, the, the top five that I got sent was, were the people that I was going to connect with afterwards. So it gave you the top five people that you were speaking to. And I, I thought the way it worked out who the top five people were was quite clever. Yes, it, it would work out precisely how many times you'd been with the same person or how much time you'd spent, uh, whether you were sitting next to them at the, you know, during the seminar sessions and things like that. The other thing that I think was, uh, was important about it was that it was able to message. So in real time, when you were standing in a small group, for example, having coffee at the start of the, uh, the event, uh, if there was a message, like for me, because I was doing a talk at the, at the conference, that message could come up on the badge of the person opposite that I was standing with. Not anybody else's badge, not my badge, but the person who I could naturally see. And, and that was really a neat way of, of, of using the location and the positioning 
um, to give a message in a nice, subtle and, uh, and, and uninterruptible way. Very clever. Yes, I'd forgotten that bit when you were talking. That was uh, <laughs> exceptionally clever. And uh, one thing that you um, would see on the horizon that we can all look forward to, just with the uh, futurologist's hat there, what's, uh, what's the next big thing going to be, do you think? I think the television manufacturers are all barking up the wrong street with just flogging the connected TV. I think the, the thing that will really make a difference is when somebody gets hold of the a la carte uh, aspect of TV. Uh, if you walk into your living room at the moment, it's like going back 30 years rather than looking into the future. Um, the TV hasn't changed an awful lot and just connecting it to the internet doesn't really do the job. Uh, I think what we want to see is, is where somebody takes away the pain, and the device in this case takes away the pain. If you like football or you like soaps or whatever you like, it finds the content for you and it doesn't matter whether it's on one provider or another or one subscription or another. Somebody takes care of that and that's just one thing for you to pay. I think that will, that will change the way people think about the content and the business model as well as the device. When you get those coming together, that's when you get a sensation. Well, you heard it here first, didn't you, Kelly? Did indeed. And thanks very much to Jonathan, who, like us, is a licensed amateur, uh, although he's a heck of a lot better at Morse code than we are. Well, that's not hard. It's all about rhythm. So, for example, if we take the letter C, da-dit, da-dit, is the wrong rhythm, it's da-di-da-dit. They're the same characters in the same order, at the same speed, different rhythm. Okay, the next part of our show, the future is bright. The future is... Light bulbs. Oh! Now, we've got to thank our good friend Peter Howav for this one. He got in touch and said, have you watched Photonic Induction's YouTube clips? Now, that stumped me. Well, it stumped me. Well, I had a look. You know when someone sends you a link to a bit of YouTube and you open it up and it's 15 minutes long and you think, nah. Yeah, often. I thought, I better watch the first minute of this just because Peter told me to. And I must admit, I sat there and was glued to this for 15 minutes. This dude is awesome. Have a quick look at this, Kelly. Finally, I have changed every single light bulb in my house for LED lights and I'm quite impressed. I can save a thousand watts an hour. That's quite an incredible amount. So we're going to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. That must be me. So we'll get straight on with it, yeah? <laughs> so what do you think? Mr. Induction, your kind of dude? Um, certainly entertaining. Okay, obviously we're not going to play the whole 15-minute clip here. But what he's talking about is LED lighting and the fact that, uh, you know, we'll spend a fortune on our electricity. He's converted every light in his house. He has quite literally transformed his house. What I'm handing you here is a, a light bulb. This is a GU10. It's a halogen light bulb, 35 watts. And I've got these in the kitchen, little spotlights that use these things. Fairly standard bulb, halogen bulb, yeah? Yeah. Okay, now if you look at the back, can you see an energy rating on the back there? Yes, A. Which is not an overly energy efficient light bulb. The, uh, the, the move is to LED lights. Now I've looked at these before, and the original type of LED energy-saving light bulbs basically had four sort of LEDs glued in, and I didn't get on with them. And fortunately, photonic induction also found the same problem. The new ones, the second-generation ones, look like that. What can you see in there? Lots and lots of LEDs. Yeah, so you've got a little network of square LEDs, and these are absolutely brilliant. They're quite bright, but the beauty is they're A-rated energy bulbs so a lot better and a lot more energy efficient fantastic and how much did they set you back one of these was about five quid so they're a little more expensive but they 
save about 88% of the electricity. So that one that you're holding there is 3 watts and they replace 35 watts. So certainly worth the money. Over time, yes indeed. The other beauty of these things is they don't generate any heat. So ordinary light bulbs like these do generate quite a lot of heat. These things don't. It's got a 25,000 hour life and uh, you can potentially save a heck of a lot of money with these things. So this could be the future of lighting. And do check out this dude's uh, video thingy. What he's put at the end is very, very funny. He's got a wall of his viewers' pictures. And he's crying out for a young lady to join him. So, uh, Kelly, do you think we should uh, have a go at that? I'll go on. Why not? Right, you ready for a selfie? I'm ready. And it's definitely worth watching just to find out why light bulbs and sex are similar. Yes, absolutely. You'd have to watch it to find out why. Uh, Okay, Kelly, the final thing we've got to talk about in focus today, and you tweeted this for me and it stumped me, food trends I've written here on my notes. Tell me all about that. Oh, this is fantastic. This is something I come across during my day-to-day work. Apparently, in the next year, one of the top food trends is that we're now going to have top chefs actually appearing in our homes as holograms so that they can actually give you cooking lessons in your kitchen. My only reservation is if I had somebody like Gordon Ramsay come in and start shouting at me in the middle of my kitchen, it probably wouldn't make for a very enjoyable evening. But how do you fancy a night in the kitchen with Jamie Oliver? Definitely far more up for that. So that's your one to watch then. Is it holographic chefs? I think just holographics in general will be certainly coming out in the next few years. Well, I'm waiting for the Star Trek holodeck and uh, I'll be in there with Seven of Nine. Of course you will be. I will not. Frequency cast. Now loading. Interaction. Okay, Kelly, time for some questions and feedback. Who have you got first? Well, the first one's from David Hall. He says, I have BT Vision with BT Hub 5. My TV is in the downstairs back lounge with the hub. Upstairs, I have a PC and a Sony TV in a bedroom. Is there a way of transferring BT Sport and other programmes on the PC to the TV upstairs? Well, as David mentions in his email, there is a BT Sport app available for the PC, also for Mac tablets and phones. To get the picture on your telly, what you'll need to do is connect the output of your computer to the TV. If the TV has a VGA socket on it, then a standard computer monitor lead will be all you need, but this will only give you the picture and not the sound. Otherwise, if your PC and your TV have an HDMI connector each, then a single lead will do the job for both sound and vision. Otherwise, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can do it all wirelessly with Apple AirPlay. Links up on our show notes. The next one's from Peter Jones. Now, is this the Dragon's Den guy, do you think? I don't know. That's why I just thought. Every time I hear Peter Jones, though, I can't help thinking of the voice of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He says... Have you ever tried any of the Android XBMC boxes or even just the software? If so, does it work? How does it work? And is it legal? Well, XBMC is an open source media player that's available for a whole range of devices, including Android. And you can basically play music, videos, view photos, that kind of stuff. Several companies have been making boxes for Android OS using XBMC. And we've looked at a few in the past. Do you remember we looked at those uh, Android TV sticks a while back? Yes, we did indeed. 
Well, there you go. They are legal and they do work. They're definitely worth a try. I've used one for uh, watching catch-up TV uh, and we've even had an XBMC client running on a Raspberry Pi to use as a cheap uh, digital video recorder. Uh, links to that as well up on our show notes. Next, Bill asks, will Powerline work with Unit 1 plugged into a ring main socket and Unit 2 plugged into a spur socket, both fed from the same consumer unit? Well, do you know what a spur socket is for a start? Yes. Okay, for those that don't, including (laughs) Kelly, a spur socket is typically a socket that's fed from another socket on the home's ring main. Getting a network connection using a power line in this instance should work without a problem, provided the cable run isn't too long. Easy one. What's next? Well, just a quick message this time from long-time listener Sung Min Kim. He says... Hi guys, honestly can't believe it's been eight years already. The show's never skipped a beat and retains its high quality. Keep up the great work. Eight years, blimey. We deserve a holiday. Oh, we do. Not that I've been around for the entire eight years. You deserve a holiday. Okay, you're doing the next show on your own then, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, that'll be interesting. Okay, the next one we've got comes from Tony Stamp. He says, hello guys, interesting podcasts, although very layman. It would be nice if you added a more technical section for a few who are interested in electronics and construction, as I have not yet heard anything on field podcasting, field sound recording kit. Hi there, Tony. Well, we did do a review of the Olympus LS11, which is the little voice recorder that we use when we're doing our field work. As for the level of technical detail that we go to, it's really tricky trying to find that balance here at FrequencyCast. We know that some of you want some in-depth, deep technical stuff, while others just listen to catch up on consumer trends and sort of off-the-shelf products. At the end of the day, though, we have to be driven by what our listeners say, don't we, Kelly? We do. Now, I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but as we say at the beginning of our show, it's you that decides what we discuss. So if you'd like us to get a bit more techie, let us know what you'd like us to cover and we'll be happy to oblige. Absolutely. Yes, please do get in touch with your suggestions. And to uh, get in touch with us with your comments and suggestions, you can send us a voicemail. What's the number, Kelly? The number's 0208-133-4567. Or you can send us a text on 07882-043521. It's the cost of a standard text message. Or, as always, you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you on the next show. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Put that light out. Ha! Frequency Cast. Shutdown in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for FrequencyCast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency.